this is needed. And you are needed. Every age and every era of our world has needed the church to make a clear and a bold confession. And ours is no different. That clear and bold confession is needed in our world very much so today. And throughout centuries, the Christian church has relied on three paragraphs of text to serve as such a clear and bold confession to speak out into the world, to speak clearly against the opinions and the narratives that our world would like to put before us, our world would like us to trust in and hold on to, but the church has maintained these truths. Truths that find their foundation in the Word of God, that cling to the incredible message of grace that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostles' Creed. And formulated in the early centuries of the Christian church, this has withstood the test of time. It is worthy for us to read it, to recite it, and to study it. It is worthy for us to continue to say, I believe. And now I need to give credit where credit is due because this is not my own idea. I stumbled on this worship series that was done by another church. It was, called, it was a series just called the Apostles' Creed. A worship series done by the Village Church. It's a church in the Dallas, Texas area, surrounding areas around Dallas, Texas. It's a non-denominational church. probably has Baptist theology as its foundation. The lead pastor there is a man named Matt Chandler. And he's a very gifted man, very talented speaker, very well-educated, smart man, and most of his doctrine and practice is very good, very sound, biblical. Most, not all of it, there are definitely things with which I would disagree with him. But that church did this sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, and I really enjoyed it when I stumbled on it. I, I convinced our DSC teammates, the other pastors on the other campuses, that, that it would be something that we could make our own, that we could mold and formulate into our own worship series. And, and so I have to give credit because many of the things that I'm going to share with you, many of the points that I'm going to make are not original to me. I'm stealing and I'm borrowing. And I hope they don't mind and I hope you don't mind. And I think it's kind of appropriate because the creed itself is not original to any of us. It's not even original in and of itself. Because the, the creed simply speaks and clarifies the truths of the Bible. It finds its foundation in God's Word, and so it is only valuable to us. We evaluate and appreciate so much because it clearly speaks and conveys those truths of God's Word. And throughout this worship series, as we study the Apostles' Creed, as we study the things that follow after, I believe, there are five specific things that are going to come up again and again that we're going to make reference to. 
Five things that the creed does, produces, or informs for us. And so first of all, the creed provides for us, it provides symmetry and clarity and community. And the creed is also going to inform our counsel and our witness. There's a real quick rundown so you understand what each of those things is talking about and, and why we're going to make reference to them throughout this worship series talking through the Apostles' Creed. And first of all, symmetry. Symmetry is something that we want in our lives of faith. It helps us to have a, a, a well-rounded life of faith, a balanced faith. Symmetry is incredibly important. I'm really excited to get back to the gym, start working out again. In fact, somebody here is going to hold me accountable to that. So I have to get back to the gym. <laughs> Anyone else excited to get back to the gym? Maybe you've been away for a while because of COVID and you're ready to get back. Anyone ever been to a gym? <laughs> okay, so if you've been to a gym, then you're going to know what I'm talking about here because you've seen this guy You've seen the guy who lacks a little bit of symmetry in his physical body because he kind of looks like an upside-down pear with two toothpicks in the, for his legs, right? Because he's the guy who loves to go into the gym and he lifts, he curls, he benches, right? Shoulders, he's got huge biceps, huge chest, but the guy doesn't believe in lifting his legs, right? And so he's got these skinny little legs on this massive upper body, right? And the uh, interesting thing is that all the power and really all the strength in our bodies is really found not in our arms, but in our core and in our legs, right? In our glutes and our hams and our quads and, and our calf muscles. That, that's where the real strength and power of our bodies is found. We need that same symmetry in our life of faith. And so as we work through the creed, there's going to be some heavy lifting days, some leg days. And if you're like me, you don't always like leg days, right? They're tough. The creed is going to force us to do some of that heavy lifting so that we have symmetry in our life of faith. And then some of that symmetry is going to come because of the clarity that the creed provides. You see, the creed clarifies for us who God is based on what he has said about himself in the Bible. It clarifies who God is, not who the world would like to say that God is, not how the world would like to define him, not how we ourselves would like to define him, mold and shape and fit him into our own little box and compartment. Because sometimes we want to switch roles and we want to become creator instead of created. But the creed helps us to stay in our proper role. To recognize who the creator is and that we are his created. The creed is also going to provide community for us. Community is about being a part of something bigger than just us. The creed will remind us that we are part of the holy Christian church. All believers of all time in all places. And so the creed allows us to celebrate 
different regions and different ethnicities and, and different times, different decades, different centuries of the Christian church. And even, we can say, understanding this correctly, even recognizing, celebrating different denominations. Recognizing that as they work and serve to proclaim the gospel, that we can celebrate the work that the gospel is doing. Celebrate the work that God has done through his gospel in all parts of the world. And because of that community, and the creed also helps us with our counsel. Where will we turn when we need guidance? When we need direction for our lives? Where will we turn when we have the opportunity to guide and direct a fellow Christian? When another Christian is coming to us and needs encouragement? The creed reminds us of those biblical truths which we can stake our claims on. The biblical truths that give the foundation to our counsel and it also informs our witness and our testimony to the world. And it's that last one, our witness and testimony to the world, that I want to focus on a little bit more so today because the creed is so much more than three paragraphs of text that we read or recite. It is formative and foundational for our lives. Every line is laced with deep meaning. And when we confess the words of the creed, we also commit to them. That's a, that's a literal idea that's behind this word confess that, we're, that we heard in our portion from Scripture for Romans chapter 10. The literal meaning behind that word is to speak the same. And so as we speak the words of the creed, as we confess the creed, we also commit to those words. We align ourselves to the truths of the Bible. More and more so, coming in line with what God has spoken to us. It's really important that I clarify two more things. First of all, to clarify that the creed, number one, just speaking the creed doesn't make you a Christian. Because we don't believe in incantations. It's more than that. It's, it's about faith. That's why the creed itself begins with the words, I believe. And we also don't look to the creed, again, because it has authority in and of itself, but because it accurately reflects the truth of God's Word. Sometimes when you go out at night and you look up into the sky... The moon is incredibly bright, right? But you all know from science class that the moon gives off no light of its own, right? It's just reflecting the light from the sun. And the creed does the same thing. The creed brings light to our lives of Christian faith, but only because it is reflecting the true light of God's word. I think both of those are really important to express, especially as we begin today thinking about those words, I believe. Because in our current culture, I think it's really important that we clarify what the word believe means. In our current culture, when we hear those words, I believe, 
we think they're entirely subjective. We expect that they are not making any claim on absolute truth or reality. But that is not the case when we speak the words of the creed. When we confess, I believe, we are making a claim on reality. We are making a claim on absolute truth. And we know and recognize from the Bible. And yet it is incredibly important to understand that we do say, I believe, and not, I know. Because there is a difference. There is a distinction, and distinction is incredibly important. Faith and belief always leads to action. But knowledge alone may not. How many, know, how many of you know that there are things that you should not do, and yet you do them? No. There are things that you should not eat, because you know how it's going to make you feel later, and... You eat them, right? There are things that you should not drink, and yet you drink them, right? Knowledge doesn't always lead to action, but faith always leads to action. As we commit ourselves to the words of the creed, it will carry forward in action in our lives. And so we say, I believe, not just I know, I believe. That's the goal of the creed. A confession that leads to action. It's a mark of a Christian. And it's exactly what Paul describes in Romans chapter 10 as you listen to it again. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Now Paul there is not pitting those two things against each other. He's not saying that it would be possible for you to have faith and belief in your heart and be justified, but then if you don't confess it, you don't speak it, you're not saved. He's telling you that those two things are so intricately linked together that you will not have one without the other. When you have faith and conviction in your heart, it will naturally flow out of your lips in confession and proclamation. And the order is important. Faith in your heart comes first, and the confession from your lips comes second. But it will come. That faith in your heart, it will produce that outward confession. It will speak. Because you have a tremendous joy. As you speak the words, I believe, they bring you tremendous joy. And I don't mean happiness, right? Because happiness, that can be jostled and it can be upset and it can be turned over by every single up and down that you have in your life. But no, the creed, the words, I believe, that gives you true joy. True joy because you know that, yes, if you were to stand before your holy, 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 almighty Lord God in all of his power, in all of his majesty, in all of his holiness, that, yes, you would be terrified. You would be horrified at the ways that you have fallen short of that glory and holiness. But you would also stand with joy. 
You would stand with joy because even though you know that your hands are unclean, your lips are unclean, that the uncleanliness of sin clings to every single part of you, you also know that that holy, holy, holy God sent His one and only Son for you. He sent His one and only Son to be your Savior. His one and only Son who came to this world and took all of the uncleanliness of your life and He took it upon Himself. All of the filth, all of the sin, all of the guilt, all of the shame that He took that to the cross. And there He died for it and for you. He died, but He rose again. Just as Romans 10 reminds us that God raised Him up from the dead. That God boldly proclaimed to our world that yes, Jesus was His Son. Yes, Jesus was the Savior. And yes, Jesus is Lord. And so you have an incredible joy as you confess, I believe. And it will bring forth action. Because as you confess, I believe, you confess not only that Jesus is your Savior, but that Jesus is also Lord. And that matters. That Jesus is Lord of your life. That you recognize as you stand in joy that Jesus is your master. He is your king. He is the one that you serve with every ounce of your being. A heart of faith recognizes Jesus is Lord. A heart of faith holds nothing back from your Savior. It takes complete ownership of all the things that Jesus has said. And you remember some of the things that Jesus has said. Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life to gain it. Make disciples. Be my witnesses. And so we strive to be Christ's witnesses to speak clearly to this world that we are his witnesses. And the creed allows you to confess your faith clearly. It allows you to make that witness as it informs your confession of faith. So I want to encourage you today to allow the faith that is in your hearts formed there by the Holy Spirit to allow that faith to speak from your lips. Sometimes as we think about being witnesses, as we think about evangelism, as we speak about speaking the gospel to someone else, I think so often we want to find the the right formula, right? I want to know the the right Bible passages that I need to share and in the right order, and, and maybe I need some evangelism training in order to be able to do that. And those things are good. And they have a purpose. They're, they can be very helpful. But I think sometimes maybe we just need to relax. 
Just relax and allow the faith that is in our hearts to flow out of our mouths. To allow that conviction that we have in our hearts, to allow the words that we confess as we come here and worship, to, to allow those to flow freely in our lives. Because you have opportunities to confess the creed in your own lives. Can you think of that? Can you, can you conceive of the opportunities that you have to confess the creed in your home or at your place of work? I know if you're enjoying time with your children, you probably won't just launch out and say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. But maybe as you are standing there with your children, you're staring up into the night sky and you see the millions and billions of stars that light up that sky. Or as you go out and spend time at the beach and you look out at the ocean and you see the waves as they're coming, crashing up onto the shore. Or in your backyard when the butterfly flies by and you see all the intricacy of the colors that are on its wings. And maybe then you turn to your kids and and you say, you see all this wonder and all this beauty and all this majesty? God created that. God made that for us to enjoy. Because then you confess, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And if you're headed back and you're finally going back to the office for work, and you're there in the office, and maybe it's around November, and John comes into the break room, he's grabbing a cup of coffee, and you turn to John and you say to him, hey, hey John, what's your family doing for Christmas? The holidays are coming up. And John tells you about you know, family that they're going to see, and maybe some travel plans that they have, or how they're going to take some time off of work. And then he asks you, what are you guys doing? And so you share the traditions and the customs, and when you open gifts, and and, and the food that you prepare, and the meals that you have, and the family that you see, but you also make sure to share that you're going to be here. And you're going to worship the little baby who's at the heart and core of that celebration. And you talk about how that little baby named Jesus, that he was born of a virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, and it is miraculous, and it is wonderful, and he came to save you from your sins. And, and it's almost too good to be true, but it is, and you believe it. And maybe you invite John and his family to come and sit with yours. No, well, maybe you don't. But you make it absolutely clear that without that baby born in Bethlehem so long ago, Christmas would not carry any joy for you. Because then you confess in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. And maybe when Sue comes over to your house for a cup of coffee or some tea and she's sitting at your kitchen table and she shares with you this, this huge burden of guilt that she feels. And she doesn't know how to release it. She doesn't know how to get out from underneath it. And so you share with her how you feel guilt at times in your life too, but, 
but there's this power at work in your heart. This power that tells you and reminds you that that guilt was taken away by your Savior, Jesus Christ. That you are forgiven. That it is removed. And then this power is still at work in your heart. Leading you to, to make amends for those that you've wronged. Leading you to treat everyone with kindness and compassion. Leading you to strive to live your life more and more in line with goodness and kindness and mercy and grace. And that you that this power also, it drives you to look into God's Word for encouragement and strength. Because then, then you confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit. As we come to the creed, we're reminded that this is needed. You are needed. Your confession is needed needed, so desperately needed in this world. And the creed brings to our lips the faith that is rooted in our hearts. The faith that has a deep foundation in biblical truth and in history of the Christian church. And allows us to boldly say, I believe. <laughs>